Hello and welcome to Untold Wealth, where we chat about wealth untold, your favorite economics podcast. My name is Devin and I'm here with Vince Balak. And today we're going to be chatting about whether you degree or disagree. Oh, Vince, Vincent, Vincent, Vincent. We are both degreed men. We are, of course, privileged to be so. Privileged to be so. And apparently privileged to be degreed so quick, which I'm going to get into. But before doing your research, actually, no, before that, how are you doing? I'm doing pretty well. I will actually stipulate that the full title of this episode is Degree or Disagree. How to win at the game of life. And I only bring it up because it's relevant to what I'll be speaking about. But Okay, that's my bad. <laughs> otherwise, I'm actually doing pretty well. We're both kind of facing that kind of period of time before we both start studying, enjoying our respective vacations. But otherwise, I'm pretty good. Yeah, we're both, we're, we're both literally about to start studying again. So very relevant. this has kind of been... Yeah, very relevant to us at the forefront of our minds and a decision-making process we've very recently been through. Um, And yeah, so I guess the question is, before you started doing your research for this episode, Vince, did you degree or disagree? And has that changed since uncovering some economic truths behind this curtain of ignorance where we once found ourselves? I did. I think beforehand I had this kind of middle edge case where I thought that degrees, you know, were pretty useful if you were aiming for a specific thing, but not necessary. Um, I think a lot of my perception has been manipulated by the kind of Americanism of the online space. Everyone's talking about how expensive degrees are and how you basically go into crippling debt to get a degree. The case is a little different in South Africa, but nevertheless, I think like there's a very specific reason to get a degree. And in some cases, it's not required. But I think I've learned something even beyond that while I've been doing my research. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. So, sounds like your mind has changed, but you were pretty on the fence. You you knew that there were certain times to do it and certain times not to. Yes. And and for me, that that is essentially what I think, even before and after my research, which I'm about to go into. Okay. So... In my research, I kind of wanted to figure out where to start. I mean, there, there's some interesting tidbits, tidbits in history. The first university um, that, that was ever kind of made was is found in Italy, Bologna, Italy. Bologna. Of Bologna. Wow. Yeah, Bologna. Yes, of course. If I'm, I'm pretty sure I'm pronouncing that correctly, um, and that was about 1000, uh, 1000 AD, um, and I was also. I kind of did some research about this GI Bill, which is this bill passed in America post-World War II, in fact, the 1944, um, which heavily, heavily subsidized American veterans um, planning to do tertiary education post-World War II. And that really kicked tertiary education into high gear. And from that point onwards, it's kind of been this exponentially growing graph to where we are today. Which is wild. I'm pretty um, sure that's a thing today still. Like one of the perks of enlisting in the American military is that you get like an, uh, a tertiary education mm. along with it after you're done. 
Sure, sure. I think the bill was a bit different. It was like kind of just like imposed as like World War Two has been this, you know, very different driving force of an economy. We need to kind of shift gears and, you know, help our veterans adjust, readjust back to lifestyle, I guess. That makes sense. Um, but definitely the U.S. Army and probably Navy and you know, Air Force probably does that for sure. I'm pretty sure I've heard about that. So that was pretty interesting. Um, but no, I decided to talk about something more contemporary. Um, and definitely something a bit more Americanized, as you've said. All right. So, okay, this is where I'm going to give you a, a bunch of uh, facts. And this is when you go, ooh, ah, and hmm. Okay. Lay it on me. So the, the biggest form of debt in the U.S. is, can you answer this? It feels like you're teeing me up to say education, you know, university debt, things like that. <laughs> <laughs> it's not oh. it's actually not even close um <laughs> it's, it's household it's household debt um mainly made up of mortgages this totals to about 17 trillion dollars in debt Big number. financing financing around 84 million households really wild um but the second biggest debt is student loans student financing which is about 1.7 trillion all right so like 10 times more is uh, mortgage debt. So Jeez. we won't go there for this episode. Um, and of that 1.7 trillion, 92% is federal loans. So these are loans that the government gives directly to people who want to participate in tertiary education, right? Which is good. Um, but why is a debt that is so big bad for an economy? All right. And this is kind of basic economics. It's nothing groundbreaking. But debt repayments in general equal lower economic activity and a pretty obvious, excuse me, decrease in, uh, in welfare, having these loans above your head. I have one estimate here that says for every 1% increase in student loan debt, this leads to a 7.5 decrease in consumption spending, which pretty bad. I mean, this is ringing bells as this is terrible. This is not good for an economy when consumption spending is decreasing because people aren't producing and, and you know, this goes down this little rabbit hole of being quite bad, all right? Yeah. So, so debt in general, though inherently isn't bad, too much of it is terrible. All right, but why, why is education, specifically college education, really good for an economy? Pretty much comes down to human capital accumulation. Education rates increase, which presumably will lead to an increase in production in the future, all right? You're educating your people such that they can produce and be more productive and lead to a better standard of living for everyone in a country. I think that's fairly obvious, right? Yeah. Like I imagine they put out these federal loans. It's like the government is essentially making this risk that, you know, they're giving out this money in the hopes that these students will eventually become doctors and lawyers and all sorts and then bring that back tenfold into the economy as it is yeah it i mean tenfold yeah i, I guess but sure we're about to, i'm about to go into um what i what i've boiled down my segment into okay arguments against going to university mm -hmm. and arguments for going to university or college whatever you want to call it tertiary education um, yeah, so let, let's go for against first, because I think, um, especially if you're an American listener, this is something you've you've heard a lot. I mean, I think the American side of things, um, as we were discussing before the podcast, um, you know, that's kind of where 
you know it seems like the train is derailed yeah. <laughs> the the debt has accumulated to such a degree people are really struggling to finance themselves um, and repay debt long after university yeah in the world of education i think like the nordic countries are seen as this utopia and america is like the mad max of tertiary education it's, it's... <laughs> the mad max of tertiary education that is crazy clip that one that's a <laughs> that's a great quote okay um in america one in three people go to university in fact it's a little bit more than one in three people go to university this is a lot more than it has been in the past about 10 times more than it has been in the distant past at least um but accounting for inflation that one in three people pay three times more than they paid 30 years ago Jeez. um and that is i mean that's accounting for inflation right it is just straight up more expensive to get tertiary uh, education that's pretty rough um and this is a mind-boggling one to me um these aren't really arguments against uni these are kind of just facts drawn from university education that people have seen um we'll get to some arguments in a bit um but this one is quite frightening 56 percent of students fail to graduate within six years of starting their education what <laughs> for reference a standard bachelor's degree is three years all right if you fail a course or two it's three and a bit years yeah right? but 56 percent over half of college students aren't graduating within six years i mean even south africa has extended degree programs which increase it by a year or two and people are really hesitant to do those because it does you know put a little bit of um, pressure on your pocket but imagine how much pressure is being put on the pockets of students who are taking an extra three years and sometimes more to graduate yeah that's like at that point in time as well like the job market is probably going to look a lot different too no no absolutely i mean that that's yeah i didn't even think about that i don't think it would be a drastic change in the job market like you know i don't think big tech is going to go anywhere and people need maths but like you know i, I see what you're saying depends on the degree i suppose depends on the yeah depends but that's on the degree crazy six years is an absurd amount of time to to dedicate to something like that it makes you wonder what portion of that 1.7 trillion um is attributed to longer people like people studying longer than they should i suppose yeah um, okay we'll move past that um another interesting uh fact is that 43 percent of college graduates are underemployed in their first job so after leaving they are underemployed which means they don't actually get a job suitable to their degree mm. or at least the level of their degree okay um yeah, another argument against uni is that some businesses are steering away from degrees. Famously, very famously, Google has kind of led this charge against this degree-centric approach to hiring, which has been quite funny. Um, or not really funny, I guess just different. Um, but everyone quite likes Google, I suppose. Um, even after their mass layoffs that we've discussed previously. Yeah, there's still a um, trendsetter for sure in terms of employment. Hmm. Yeah, so, so Google has kind of incorporated this more holistic approach to hiring with a very big emphasis on behavioral indicators 
Interesting. It's kind of like behavioral economics. I'm not too sure. They haven't released their methodology behind hiring people, but they've really said that behavioral indicators from their interviews and stuff is really what they want to see above degrees or grades. Crazy. Another argument against uni is the actual opportunity cost yes. of, or rather, tra- opportunity cost and trade off of studying for three years, four years, five years. You could be earning money during that time, investing money. Um, developing a skill um, I mean trade schools and apprenticeships sometimes they literally let you um, they literally work during it on the I job mean, training and you can yeah. get money from it on the job training and they, they pay you I mean it's kind of wild um, yeah and uh, there's been a bit of research into this and a lot of trade schools and apprenticeships pay a lot earlier earlier or pay a lot more earlier on into your life but as soon as you start hitting a little bit of your later years, then it pays more to have a good college degree behind you. All right. And obviously, arguments against uni would also be the inflated cost and all that good stuff. Yeah. So I've listed a few of them. Um, and that sounds pretty bleak. Um, but if you think about it, if you're one of those persons, people who finance yourselves well, who graduate on time, which is apparently a big deal, which I didn't think it would be, but it is a huge deal. You should be graduating on time. Um, and you have you build up connections and networks. I could see that not being terrible for you, you know, if you have a good plan. But it clearly seems that a lot of students don't yeah. due to some societal influence. Um, yeah, just to interject, sure. I think, like, mm. there's a lot of pressure nowadays for people to actually just go into uni by their parents or whatever older generations uh, are like mentoring them and I think I'll, maybe a portion of that fact of students like finishing so late is the fact that they don't really have that motivation to study because they're kind of being pushed into the degree rather than you know doing it by their own volition yeah I, I think it's even simpler than that I don't think there's the grandparents in the closets forcing them to or the not necessarily the mums they probably are sometimes i think it's much greater than that at this stage it's so societal and structural that it can't be attributed to one's parents sure. it's attributed to the parents before them and to the community before them like right now it's just there right yeah i mean yeah it's a little bit wild and like you know, we've probably felt that too. It may have led to us getting our degrees, right? Or the you know, better or worse. We don't really know where our lives would have been if we didn't have our degrees. But, you know, I think they've turned out pretty well. So we're kind of biased in this respect. Okay. All right. Arguments for college. Um, the biggest one is that lots of places, aside from Google, are hiring um, college edu- educated people. In 2018, nine out of 10 jobs that entered the job market went to college graduates. All right. Interesting. That's good. That's good. Um, depending on the degree, most college degrees pay off their debt and give you a higher return on income than non tertiary professions. Economics, medicine, computer science, technology, engineering, the return on investment on these particular kind of Degrees are very good. There's also some STEM in between. That's also pretty good. But here's where it kind of gets funky. It's when you get into the humanities and the creative arts. You get around 30 to 60% of people even getting return on their investment. Even, you know, making it, 
kind of covering the costs of their university education. So you're saying if you're in an arts degree, there's a 30% chance that you earn enough to pay off your degree. Is that what you're saying? Well, well, it, it differs. It differs. Sure. Like creative arts is, is like 5% for men. <laughs> it's, about, it's about 30% if you're a woman in creative arts. Um, philosophy, for some reason, was quite high for both men and women at like 60%, which I was like, how can you really monetize philosophy? Yeah. But I didn't ask too many questions <laughs> of the study. <laughs> um, English, is, English is fairly low. Um, yeah, I mean, it's different kind of degrees out there, right? But generally, when you steer away from the STEM, you get the low income earners. Yeah. All right. Funnily enough, though, there was a Norwegian study that found that sticking to your passion uh, actually netted you more of a return than if you foregoed your passion uh, for a STEM-educated degree, for example. Interesting. Right? If you really had a passion for English and studying it and you were like, no, 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 actually, I've seen all the studies, I have to go for a degree in STEM, um, more likely uh, than not, you actually made a bit less than you would have. Which is just a little tidbit I had to put out there because I think that's a nice message. Follow your passions. Um, another good degree, another good argument for college is networking. Mm. There's, a, there's, there's a really flimsy study. I don't know how flimsy, but it seems flimsy. That 70% of all jobs are found through some sort of networking. And no doubt you can make lots of friends in college. Um, I remember there being some articles years ago about like, um, a study on Harvard students and how um, their networking made them a cuck ton of money. I don't know how the study was, was done. I don't know anything like that. I tried to find in my research. I couldn't. Uh, that anecdotally but... does make sense, though, because you, you are speaking with a lot of high and affluent individuals, especially at Harvard. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but I think it could be applicable to any university as well right like you you are meeting some of the most exceptional people in your field as you're studying you know it's like that's a good point meet people you know um another fairly obvious one is the welfare that you get from a university making friends building relationships even beyond even before networking rather um, that makes sense the pursuit of education um i feel is very very important um, I listed that as an argument for college. I think people um, should be educated, even if it is for education's sake, just a little bit. I think that makes sense. Um, and I think another huge argument is that some nations have free colleges. You talked about the Scandinavian nations earlier. Um, I think there's, from that point of view, there's very little standing in your way from at least trying a college degree yeah. uh, if you're in one of those nations. But I didn't really focus my research my research on that so my opinion out of all of this out of the arguments for and against is that i disagree you oh what a twist oh. <laughs> i came up with that one uh, earlier today <laughs> I love it. yeah i think i think it like goes without saying that society needs to have tertiary education okay it needs to i just disagree with the amount of people that choose to go or that is even available to go in my kind of mind, I feel like it should be an elite institution for the top two, three, four percent of your country to really elevate your country's skills um, and capitalize on their, you know, um, talents. 
thereafter, I do think most people should generate productivity for a, for a, a country in, your, in a more hands-on approach or in a different approach that maybe I haven't even thought of yet. But I mean, like, I'm not too dead set on that, but I feel like that makes a bit more sense to me than what we're seeing now. A lot of over-educated people not knowing to knowing what to do with the education. I don't think it makes sense. Can I ask you a question? Financially for them and all that. Mm. Two to three, the top two to three percent of of what exactly? Like academic achievers or like? Let's say academic achievement. Okay. For sure. Uh, no, I don't think we should get into a into like an argument about like school grading and stuff like that, which I also no, kind of no. disagree with. I, I probably would have but, had an issue if you mentioned like two to three percent of like you know monetary individuals, but that's not what you're saying. So. Oh, I mean, like, you know me. There's no way I'd say that. <laughs> Is there really a portion of you that were like, mm, really the, the elitist, wealthy people? I like, just wanted to clarify to not get you in trouble, potentially. Okay, cool, cool, cool. All right. That's me, Vince. Um, I'm really keen to see what you, or whether you agree or disagree. David, are you familiar with the game of life? The game of life, the board game is is a board game. Yeah, <laughs> I was about to say. I was like, I sure I've seen that a streamer or two playing that, um, or at least the digital version of the game. Yeah. I don't know if it was a board game before. But how familiar are you? Have you just watched it? Have you played it yourself? Uh, haven't played it. Um, I've watched it. It seems pretty fun. You kind of just you know move your move your player piece along kind of a monopoly-esque board until you reach the end right yes um and you pick up like certain life skills and assets and debts along the way and you know uh, literally life happens while you're going basically it looks pretty fun hmm. so when, when i was thinking of this topic which to reiterate is you know degree or disagree how to win at the game of life i thought about the board game and okay. for those who don't know, as you said, the Game of Life is essentially a board game version that simulates a life of an individual. You get to decide whether you go to university or don't. You get, can get married. You can have kids. And as you go along the board, certain events happen to you, uh, you know, like, oh, suddenly you own a cat. And by the end of it, you tally up your score, which is mainly about how many properties you own how much money you have, and things like that. But in the Game of Life, at least in the 1991 edition, which is the first form of the board game as we know it now, there was a very crucial decision that you had to make in the very early stages of the game, which was to either get a degree or begin working immediately. And I feel like at the time and today, that's a very important decision that young people are faced with. And yeah, to spend time earning a degree that would potentially land you a job at a company that, you know, if we're in this kind of 1991 headspace, you would likely work at until you retired. Or you could choose to not do a degree and begin working in a trade or a job where a degree wasn't required. Contrasting that to today, I think it's fair to say that the job market as we know it and what's required of you to get a job has starkly changed compared to that time 30 years ago. And that's a little bit of the thesis statement 
of what I'll be bringing to you today. How jobs and the education qualifications that you need to get them have changed since the very first version of A Game of Life was released in 1991. And okay, so we're, we're contrasting 1991 to today. A little bit, oh. yeah. And at the end of it, I kind of want to bring a new perspective on to the game of life. If we were to remake this board game with the kind of latest modern education and job kind of markets as they are now, what would we add to it? What would we remove from it? Things like that. But before we begin and chat about education, I think it's important to look at how the job market has changed since 1991. Because I think that a lot of the education options that people can choose from nowadays are have developed directly in response to how employees or employers rather are looking in the job market for new employees. So how has the job market changed since 1991? I think by far the biggest change that I've seen is the digitalization of jobs thanks to the evolution of technology. Whereas before, you might have learned about jobs through newspapers, te television ads, or even word of mouth. Today, I can go onto LinkedIn and apply for jobs not only just in my area, but the entire world, which is insane. Because I can communicate with those people and work and send my work to them using technology, even if these people you know, are halfway around the world. I didn't even realize how insane of a thought that is. Right. You never used to be able to apply for jobs, you know, through normal, you know, like normally for like everywhere in the world. Like today, it's actually crazy. people in South Africa, for example, I've seen jobs in my kind of sector, which is marketing, offered, being offered from places like America, the UK, all these affluent nations that are looking kind of in a more broader sense for cheaper labor. Whereas in South Africa, taking that job would still like give you a higher income than if you had applied to jobs in your area, which is a really interesting topic. But hmm. in addition to jobs that are you know more digitally available, I think jobs today require more skills, mostly digital ones, than ever before. And I think there's an incentive to learn these skills as well for employees. According to the National Skill Coalition, uh, Coalition, sorry, workers that qualify for jobs that require at least one digital skill make an average of 23% more than a job that required none. And that jumps up to 45% if a job requires at least three digital skills. Uh, wow. What a digital skill is basically constitutes like things like Excel and other software that you can you know do on your laptop or otherwise, um, which more often than not doesn't really need a degree to learn or master. And I think as... Do I, do I have three digital skills? I, I know Excel, <laughs> like I'm pretty competent. Um, <laughs> what else was like emails? <laughs> I don't know if I have three I, that I could like handily put on my CV. Genuinely, I think that with how at least our generation is, you know, serially online, there's 
probably three digital skills that you have in your arsenal that you just haven't thought about. Some of them are I think, probably basic yeah. things. Um, it's probably it's so normalized yes for, you know for our digitized generation that you know i can't even list it it's like what i can i can record a podcast like what are you talking about it's just download <laughs> exactly the, the record button and you know it's like oh my god yeah i was gonna say i've been uh, trying to sync my mom's new phone with her old one and like it's very clear that uh the older generation needs a bit of help every now and then yeah and she listens to this podcast she's gonna be so mad at me anyway <laughs> love you mom you can put that on your cv and potentially get a 23 percent increase in the next job that you have by by this definition um yeah as i think there's this more open platform for people to study and learn digital skills not through a tertiary education it opens up the job market quite substantially and as it seems the requirements for digital skills and otherwise are a major factor as employees and employers start weighing these skills and gaining experience on the job, potentially against actually getting a qualification or a degree. Whereas before, a degree might have been seen as the utmost thing that you can do in 1991. To get a job, I think in the modern setting, learning skills, preferably digital ones, and also getting experience is more and more seen as comparable in at least certain sectors. And anecdotally, I've seen this on sites like LinkedIn for at least marketing jobs in particular, where they'll list a bunch of skills that you are required to have, but not rarely, but definitely less so than you'd expect. You'll see a requirement for a relevant marketing degree or a relevant tertiary degree along with it. And while that might be scary to those of you who are getting a degree currently, I think it's a pretty good thing, since the relatively high price of a university education in most countries, and as we've spoken about, in crippling, cripplingly so in America, allows people who don't have that typical running start in life to be allowed various opportunities based on the skills that they've developed by themselves rather than kind of what their parents earned or what environment they've grown up financially, which is a pretty fantastic thing. And just to put it out there, I'm not saying that studying a degree is useless. I think there are certain jobs out there that you can't just get with skills and experience alone. No one's going to trust a lawyer or a doctor or an accountant or an actuary unless they have the proper degree, proper qualifications, in addition to experience from an established institution. But I do think that almost in response to the fact that employers are weighing skills and experience, at least comparably more so than they did previously in line with degrees, we're seeing a boost in education alternatives. And that's evident in the fact that you're studying a honors degree and I'll be studying a diploma. Things like part-time, online degrees, diplomas, and other options where you can study and have a more expedited timeline. You're not wasting, you know, four to three years and weighing that opportunity cost. You can actually study for between six months and two years instead 
and gain a qualification in a specific niche that you're looking to work in. And who could blame them, to be honest, for looking for shorter time span qualifications? I think not only are most jobs more skill-based than they were before, but the jobs that are available are changing more quickly. I think we kind of mentioned previously, the job market probably isn't changing too much within a three to four year time span, but I think it's changing a lot more quickly than it was before. I mean, even last year with the introduction of AI, we've seen, you know, we'll, we'll see in kind of the test of time whether certain jobs like, you know, AI engineer or AI prompt engineer will be a thing in the next few years. But those opportunities will be missed if you are, you know, studying a three to four year degree in a separate industry that might not be as relevant with the introduction of newer and newer technology. I want to say that, sorry, Vince, I want to say that like AI is an outlier, but then like is blockchain an outlier? Was, you know, crypto an outlier? Was, um, I don't know, I can't think of, I haven't been in the job market that long, but like there's, I feel like there's been an uptick in outliers kind of in the 21st century. Yeah. Um, so I agree with your rate of change argument. I'll I think there's a trend. Even say the job that I'm in now, which is to do with copywriting and marketing, is had like a major uptick compared to maybe three or four years ago. Um, just because not only is like prevalence online and like online digital stores more of a thing, but that kind of competition to get your business or your service on Google has only really become a major factor recently. And so I think there's a lot of industries out there that are booming and like being introduced to the industry uh, quite a lot more quickly than before, which to some people who are planning to study might seem like a big part of that opportunity cost. They're going to be missing out on potentially booming sectors if they're committing to a degree that might not be as relevant in a couple years time not irrelevant but maybe not as relevant which impacts things like wages and you know all sorts of competition factors and things like that yeah that's scary huh? mm. a little bit but yeah in light of all this i thought about what i would change in the game of life to represent today's economic conditions and as you might guess one of the few things that i would add are alternative degree options in the game of life you're kind of prompted to go with a degree or to just start working fairly early on in the board game but if you had the option to you know do a diploma or a short degree where you wouldn't incur as much debt or potentially even have options to take online courses or even just pick up a degree later in life as people tend to do and kind of curb that plateau where you know you start working and end up kind of reaching a certain limit you can boost that by just getting an education later in life we've also barely spoken about the gig economy and how people are now taking gigs along with their jobs which is a topic we've covered before slightly but is a new addition to the job market that wasn't in that original board which I think would be a cool, you know, thing to add on. Um, also the option to hop between jobs through your life. 
I think nowadays it's a lot more popular to get a job and in three or four years change what you're doing, either in the position or the company. But I think long gone are the days where you would get a job and if all goes well, you would stay at that job slowly getting, you know, along in your career until you retire. I think people are a lot more flexible and that kind of incentive to have shorter degrees to kind of match the new job market that you're trying to hop into is a lot more appetizing. And the last thing, as we've kind of spoken about briefly, is to introduce career, global career opportunities or scenarios that involve people, you know, working or living abroad. There are more recent versions of the game of life that introduce things like this, but I think it's difficult with how quickly things are ramping up and changing to get a, you know, brand new version of the game. But if I were to make it, I'd probably add these things to it. And yeah, to cap things off, I'm kind of curious. We are both studying this year. You're doing a full honors degree and I'm doing a postgraduate diploma. In light of what you've researched and what I've mentioned in this episode and just the discussion that we've had so far, why have you decided to go with what you're studying? Why have you decided to study further? It's a great question. I've I don't actually have the biggest answer to it. Um, I have I have the funds, which helps. It's not necessarily the reason, but it helps. Um, I really enjoy economics. In fact, I do a podcast. I don't know if you've heard. Oh, of it. Oh, oh. Um, a few of my uh, family members are in academia, which is a viable route for economics, which has gotten me interested. Um, and I kind of just want to see how far this passion could go. Um, I also just want to learn. I know that economics in particular, out of all the finance you know, courses and, and that out there, is kind of the least market applicable sure. in terms of the number of jobs you can get. So, yeah, I mean, that's kind of the reason why I didn't consider doing it before. But I think I'm at a stage in my life where I think it's a good option. Um, But I think if I didn't have the funds, it would be very different. So, so yeah, that's my answer. I don't know if that's a yes or a no. You decide. (laughs) Sure. I think in some ways we both, we kind of contrast each other in the decision making and maybe represent the two different groups on why to get a education Uh, or at least contrasting degrees and alternative career options like diplomas and online courses because from my side Mm. i'm planning to get the diploma because it's almost like prep for a path that i want to take currently i'm doing marketing and seo and things like that and the postgraduate diploma is management for marketing so my kind of theorem is that you know down the line instead of being you know a writer or someone who just does SEO, it'd be cool to kind of move up the corporate ladder and be a manager or kind of more high-end position within that space. Obviously, we're both speaking from positions where we can actually afford the like postgraduate educations. But I think if you're looking at that kind of bubble, we're probably representing the two sides of why someone would go into that education 
which is quite interesting to me. And dear listeners, if you have, you know, a different reason why you're going into postgraduate education or even a reason why you think you won't go or reasons why people shouldn't go, please do leave them in the comments below because uh, I'm very interested on topic and it's kind of fascinating to think about anyway. But yeah, any closing thoughts before we wrap it up? I was just going to say like you, I think the the social pressure for degrees is so heavy that even when you were mentioning how there should be a different option in the game of life, you know, specifically short courses. And I've done a short course before in marketing. Um, I was like, is that legitimate? Mm. You've made such a logical argument. You've presented it so well. And I, in my head, agree with you. But in the same time, I'm like, damn, like maybe it's got me, you know, like, is that is that a legitimate route and like <laughs> oh it's so frustrating i can see how this is such a frustrating topic for so many people um, yeah yeah i think that's my closing thoughts if you don't experience it yourself it is like even for me it's difficult to imagine because yeah everyone has the perception perhaps of like short courses oh you just do it and then what how is that like useful but i think combined with skills and experience it's not like mm. a for sure thing which i think even degrees are not for sure things in most cases but it's kind of a compliment that you can do whereas skills and experience might be the more important thing which are a little bit more loosey-goosey to think about and imagine when you're thinking about jobs and getting jobs fair but yeah please do let us know your thoughts and while you're there please hit that like button and perhaps a subscribe or a five-star review it really helps us out and let us know what you want to hear about next what do you want us to research and bring forth perhaps from a new perspective um we're always looking for new topics but until then i've been vince and i've been Devin. and please we'll see you next time